Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Tell you built a time machine. What a DeLorean. This is the Stupid Cancer Show. That's hot. Hello there, children. <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Zachary. Monday, February 22nd, 2010, and welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the voice of young adults with cancer. Got cancer? Under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. Tonight's show, patient navigation in our spotlight, Sheila Ulrich, young adult survivor of stage four melanoma and the author and founder of Truly Alive. Joshua Schneider, a three-time young adult survivor, president and founder of NoCancer.com. And Gina Cook, cancer advocate and co-founder, CEO of NavigatingCancer.com. As a reminder, this broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, one of the nation's leading grassroots advocates for the nearly 5 million young adult survivors and co-survivors affected by stupid cancer. On the web at I2Y.com, we're bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight and sticking it to a system that's ignored us for far too long. Why? Because survival rates and quality of life in young adults have not improved in 30 years. Remission is no excuse for cure, and survivorship is all that matters. Hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun-filling, exciting romp through the hang on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show. And a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, broadcasting live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in New York City. I am Matthew Zachary, a 14-year young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Joining us live in studio tonight, welcome back our always fabulous broadcast production assistant, young adult survivor Amanda Freeman. Hello. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. Thank you. And uh, joining Amanda and I, we've got our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. Again, I'm joining Amanda and you. Yes, you are. All right. Well, hi, Matt. Hi, Amanda. Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room, so if you have any issues with the show, take it up with him. There's a chance, a small chance, that he just might listen. And, of course, please welcome my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing right here from New York City, 
14-year young adult breast cancer survivor, acclaimed journalist, former deputy editor of TV Guide, and former entertainment news correspondent for the Fox News Channel, the lovely and talented Lisa Bernhard. Yeah, Amanda. Hi. Hello. My Hi, favorite Lisa. Monday night crowd. How are you? Calling in from your secret underground bunker in upstate New York. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to be a little bit like Letterman from the home office, and then I'll just pick a different, I'll just pick a different city every week. You're going to get a, a speeding like... ticket driving down 95 every day. <laughs> I never get speeding tickets. I am a law-abiding citizen. Have you ever met Letterman? I have in his office Letterman. on his couch. No, she wasn't I, an intern. I I, uh, I met Letterman. I actually once wrote a long uh, profile on one one of his executive uh, producers and uh, hung out behind the scenes once at the Letterman show years ago. John Cusack was there, and I'm trying to think who else. And I did meet Letterman briefly. He uh, he's a keep to himself kind of guy, as you can imagine. Yeah, except, can, when it, I, except when it comes to his interns and some of the women on the show, evidently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, uh. men, can't live with them, can't be one. Wait, Jack? That's true. <laughs> can't shoot him? Uh, you can shoot him. No, no, no. Um, so there's so many uh, I2Y uh, events coming up that we should... That we oh, my should, God, there's so many. There are a lot. We wanted to recap the two that happened this past week um, for our our listeners out there. I was invited to a keynote at a special insurance boot camp event for young adults at NYU uh, this past week, and it was really a wonderful event. Uh, I got up there and did my dog and pony show, but my colleague, uh, a guy named Kurt Balsh, who himself was a young adult cancer survivor, uh, if anyone's ever seen the movie uh, The Incredibles, there's a scene in the beginning after he's uh, sort of outed and becomes an insurance salesman where he talks to this old lady about the special loopholes and forms you can fill out, how to get past the system. <laughs> That's sort of what Kurt does. He works for the man, but he knows the loopholes of the man. So he's able to impart that wisdom to young adult survivors when it comes to things like the Family Medical Leave Act and Medicaid and uh, the Americans with Disabilities Act. A uh, real top-notch, well-polished guy, um, and it was very well received. And hopefully, we'll be the first of several insurance boot camps that we'll be able to offer to the young adult community around the country. That's fantastic. And uh, Jack, I'll turn it over to you to talk about your little date with Brad. My little date with Brad went phenomenally. Uh, I was in D.C. with Brad Ludd in our first ascent, and Tamika Felder of Tamika and Friends, and we were basically presenting the First Ascent documentary showing what it's like to attend a First Ascent camp. And uh, they got some people to sign up. We each got to talk about our own uh, little organizations, and we got a lot of feedback. And interestingly, uh, one of the biggest topics we talked about at this, uh, at this screening was the role that our parents play in our young adult cancer experience. And it was pretty awesome because some of the parents were like, you know, my 20-something or my 20 or my 30-something, you know, got cancer and they had been independent. And, you know, what do we do? Like, like, how do we handle, like, like, how do we treat our, our young adult cancer patient that has since flown the, you know, flown the coop and may or may not have returned home or whatever. But we had a very interesting discussion and it was, uh, 
it was really meaningful for me because a lot of parents don't get it out there, and a lot of the older generation don't don't see the uh, the the, uh, the need that we we have and and how we need to be supported age appropriately. But it was a great evening, and and the First Ascent documentary is awesome, and I encourage anybody who has the chance to attend a First Ascent camp, go over to firstascent.org, sign up. It's completely free, and uh, go live in the woods for a week. That that sounds like an awesome event, Jack. And interesting topic to bring up about how parents uh, deal with things. I just, you know, going to uh, the uh, YSC Young Survival Coalition um, event that they had last year, and I know you're going to be there um, this year, Jack. Yeah. There were two, I remember I remember meeting two young women there last year, late 20s, one late 20s, one early 30s, both of Korean descent, both living in Los Angeles, best friends, both diagnosed with breast cancer within six months of each other, same gynecologist. She was floored. She couldn't believe it, just the coincidence, the, the, the unlucky coincidence of you know the best friends and being so young. And also there tends to be a lower incidence of breast cancer in women of Asian descent. But they were interesting in that they talked about how one had parents um, – sort of, uh, I guess, younger, a little bit more modern parents who lived in Los Angeles, and the one young woman just really could value the fact that she could get her mom on the phone and just cry with her if she needed to or talk about anything. And the other young woman said that she really envied that because she had these kind of older traditional parents who were back in Korea. And to try to explain to her parents over there you know, that she had this illness and what she was going through, they couldn't process it at all. And it was very difficult for her, and she talked a lot about how she really envied her best friend, how she could have this closest, two vastly, you know, best friends, uh, two vastly different experiences in, in dealing with, you know, their parents and whether, you know, how their parents could be there or not be there for him. So that's that sounds like it was a pretty uh, amazing event and an interesting interesting discussion. It's almost like we need to start Boomers for Stupid Cancer. Yeah, well, it's it's funny because I brought up the I2I siblings Facebook group to the group because uh, they were saying, you know, like, well, what about like, you know, our kids' best friends, and you know, how do we, you know, kind of take a back seat knowing that they have a tighter bond with with you know their their you know uh, inner circle with their friends being younger and everything, and and uh, so you know I was talking about the siblings group, but you know we should probably start a like parents of stupid cancer you know, support or something because a lot of the parents were coming together and having their own conversation. And in fact, one of them emailed me today, just, you know, thanking me for the conversation we had the other night and, you know, what he got out of it. And it's pretty awesome, but it's nice to see that what we're doing is being heard by our parents, you know, and their generation, because right. Exactly. We've been lost in the shuffle. So, you know, for so many years that it's good that we finally have a voice and that people are listening to us. No. And it's, but just just speaking of first descent, it's a nice segue into what I wanted to talk about next, which is that first descent is a official national partner of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, along with our friends at Immerman Angels. And without uh, further ado, we have to just do this. This every moment is brought to you by Immerman Angels. <laughs> Be well, number one. Johnny Immerman, ladies and gentlemen, and of course Tamika and friends, and we have this. Um, sort of quadratic relationship. Did I just use the word quadratic? Yes, I did. And it, and, and we are all partners on something I'm really proud to officially announce here because we sort of teased it last week. But this Monday, <clears throat> I'm sorry, last Monday after the show, I launched the, um, the OMG Summit, the teaser. Registration opened on um, Monday, April 5th. But 
we already have over 450 fan members and about 75 people following the, the Twitter feed. And for those of you who are not familiar, the OMG Cancer Summit is the nation's largest um, young adult cancer conference in New York. It's free. We expect two to three to 400 people to descend upon New York that weekend. Uh, it's a social networking event. It's a fun conference. It's not boring PowerPoint. Uh, it's unlike anything you've ever participated in. Um, you're going to make friends for life and have uh, a, one of the most rewarding experiences of your survivorship. Anyone is invited to attend, your parents, your siblings, your best friends, uh, your spouses, not just for survivors if anyone is just generally interested in understanding the young adult cause. And uh, anyone here can visit omg2010.org to get some information on it. We do have Brad Ludden, Johnny Immerman, Tamika Felder, Carol Rosenthal, Ethan Zahn, uh, Diane Balma, who's the CEO of Stand Up to Cancer, a fellow young adult survivor. It's, Jack Pufard. It's, well, and Jack. It's the, and, and, and it, Jack Pufard. <laughs> I'm calling it the all-star game. The, oh, I'm so proud of this. It is the all-star game of the young adult movement, and it is something that we highly encourage people to consider attending. Again, it's free. We don't want to charge people for this. We may have some travel subsidies, but we won't be making those announcements until we have them confirmed. But we will be talking about uh, cheap ways to get to New York, uh, how to buddy up in hotel rooms with some blocks that we're getting, and uh, really just something phenomenal to consider. So take a look at omg2010.org. See who's on the roster. Uh, fan the group on uh, Facebook. Follow it on Twitter. And, and I, I can't stop talking about it. I'm just so excited. It's the hippest day in cancer. <laughs> hey, Jack, isn't that originally how you had your uh, I2Y affiliation? Wasn't that the first you came to the OMG Summit? Wasn't that the first time you yeah. had really kind of checked out I2Y? Yeah, the one, the one in April of 08, I was uh, a month from the end of my treatment, and my mom and I came to the city, and that's where I first met Matthew. Uh, apologize for that, Matt. <laughs> it's been downhill ever since. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was my first I2Y event, and I was just like, holy shit, I'm in a room of 100 people that are just like me. Well, of course, I was with my mom, but, you know. And soon I'll be on a radio show on which I can curse. Yeah. Damn fucking straight. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. And after the uh, the breakout sessions, uh, they had an open bar happy hour at Planet Hollywood, and that's where I really got to, like, talk to a bunch of people. And some of those people are my uh, my best friends, and the other one's Matt. Exactly. <laughs> and some of them are your groupies. That's true. <laughs> exactly, but yeah, I mean, so just I'm I'm incredibly uh, excited uh, about the OMG Cancer Summit. Uh, one other thing of note is that the Team Stupid Cancer now has eight members. We have five remaining slots, and if you're interested in running, walking, or pretending to skipping. be skipping, I'm going to skip it. The uh, <laughs> I don't mean like I'm going to I'm I don't mean skip out on the race. I'm saying skip it. You're going to skip to Malu. I'm going to do the la 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 for 13 Smurf. miles. Yes. You'll be absolutely uh, adorable doing that, Jack. Exactly. And exactly. I'm going to be wearing a tutu. Oh, boy. Yeah. And pigtails. So, so anyway, the, the, the Team Stupid one. Cancer is in its, its inaugural launch for the New York City Half Marathon. If you're interested, go to team.stupidcancer.com and uh, really, seriously, join up. It's going to be a great event. It's our kickoff uh, attempt at being a pseudo-athletic organization. And if Jack can attempt to try to think and convince people he might be able to do something, then there's hope for everyone. Yes, and if you do have faith in me, you can go to team.stupidcancer.com and support me. There's a link to donate to I2Y. That is true. 
And isn't there one more that we should talk about for those who are in New York this week? Yeah, we there's. Little... we have a Stupid Cancer Happy Hour this Thursday, Thursday. in New York City. It's on events that I, Tawadakam, Jack will point it out during the news. I do have one other, one or two other quick things to um, to talk about, just in sort of our general uh, general banter here. Uh, a bit of a memorial right here now. Um, uh, Lisa, you and I knew somebody named Randy Rosenberg. You know what? I actually, I unfortunately never met her. Really? I've met so many other folks at, at the YSC, but... Um, Absolutely sounds like an amazing, that she was an, just an amazing force, an amazing woman, and um, I've been learning and reading so much about her the past week or so. But no, unfortunately, I, I never did actually meet Randy. Well, for those of you out there, Randy Rosenberg was, uh, she, she passed away this week. She was a young adult breast cancer survivor and one of the founding members of our friends over at the Young Survival Coalition, an amazing organization for young women affected by breast cancer, uh, we work with them quite frequently and uh, interchange uh, resources and services. Randy had been fighting breast cancer her whole young life, and uh, she was a mentor to me. She was one of the very first people that I ever met when I was considering going into uh, going into nonprofit. A wonderful, wonderful woman. She will miss greatly. Her legacy lives on, and uh, and and that's 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 Randy. Uh, just want to pay her some tribute. Uh, the amazing stuff that's being written about her out there that she was five foot nothing <laughs> seemingly but with a million watt smile and just uh so full of energy and so dedicated um to what she was doing and a mother and um uh, I, I wish i would have met her but she she really sounded incredible yeah lisa do you know if they're going to be uh doing a tribute or anything this week in atlanta i would assume so i don't know i don't know for sure um uh, i would i would think so i know it's um been uh yeah a tough uh, a tough go of it for the for our friends over at the young survival coalition yeah. and, and her service I, I heard was incredibly moving um yeah it's going to be tough for a lot of people but this, this event that you and i are going to this weekend it's going to be pretty awesome too it's going to be 800 yeah. to a thousand breast cancer survivors it's going to be intense yeah this is your first time there jack it's, it it's, is yeah it's very it's an intense i mean i think last year last year they had about 800 women and they had them from 13 different countries, and, I mean, amazing. A woman came from uh, Nairobi, Kenya, and I said, how did you even know about this event? She said, oh, I read about it online. She had a, you know, Yahoo email address, and she had uh, written a, an article in Kenya about getting breast cancer. I remember and, that. Yeah, she, just an amazing, I mean, so many amazing women and amazing uh, stories of what they had been through and where they had come from and what it took to get there, and um, this woman had three kids, and, you know, these a lot of illnesses like breast cancer, they're they're treated so differently socially in other countries. I mean, this woman told me that her husband left her and her husband's parents um, wouldn't go near her, that she was taboo for having breast cancer, that it's considered um, sort of a curse or bad luck that nobody, you know, kind of wants to go near you. And all these other kinds of social issues that we don't think about in this country that um, folks have to deal with in, in, in other nations, it's really astounding. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. Um, well, let's get to the news no, actually, here. Hold on, Matt. Right. Before we start the news, I have something. and I'm going to put Matt on the spot, ladies and gentlemen, because in my Google <laughs> alerts the other day for Matthew Zachary, I got, a, I got tipped off that Matthew has been nominated for a Patient Power Hall of Fame Award. Ow! So what the heck's going on, Mr. Hall of Famer? Are you giving yourself a round of applause? <laughs> Come on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's an organization called PatientPower.info. Uh, it, it's run by some very innovative friends of mine from the uh, Health 2.0 world. And uh, they, I guess they're impressed with, with the work that I do. I've met them many times. They have a, a boutique radio program that I was a guest on a while ago. And I don't know, um, maybe they were desperate and went to the lowest hanging totem pole guy and I just happened to say yes by accident and <laughs> they found me. But yeah, I was, um, I'm officially a Hall of Fame member of Patient Power. Huh. Not well deserved, Matthew. Thank you very much. Well, but let's get to the news here. We'll move the show along and uh, here we go. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. All righty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we and listen. We try to listen to Jack Buford stammer through a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of stuff you might otherwise not know about. And we don't want you missing out on free young adult special events like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, music concerts, and more. So if you have something coming up that you would like to hear our audience know about during this segment, fax it to us at 877-794-6902 or email jack at jack at i2y.com. Take it away, bro. Thank you. This news is going to be short and sweet today because we already covered a bunch of it. But head on over to events.i2y.com. Events.i2i.com is your one-stop shop for all stupid cancer events happening nationwide. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we wouldn't want you missing out on it, especially if I'm not going to be there. We have happy hours coming up in New York City, like we said this week, and many other cities, so head on over to events.i2i.com. Team Stupid Cancer. You can join Team Stupid Cancer, the nation's first running team exclusively supporting young adults. We have some slots open, as we mentioned, and to join Team Stupid Cancer or to support Team Stupid Cancer, you can visit team.stupidcancer.com. Surviving Idol is an upcoming talent show for young adults affected by cancer. Show off your talent by entering your submission today. You can submit your talent by going to survivingidol.com. As we said, Buzz is building around the third annual International OMG Cancer Summit for Young Adults. It's being held here in New York City, Sunday, May 23rd. Stay tuned for more information. And we did launch the site, omg2010.com. Dallas, Texas, we have an event February 27th. The Leukemia Lymphoma Society is hosting their Lone Star Blood Cancer Conference, and our team will be there, so be sure to check it out. Okay, folks. Being that I lack both the time and the intelligence to share with you all the great stuff we have going on for young adults, I've created the Boof News blog. Everything, everybody needs to check out boofnews.i2y.com. That's B-O-O-F dot I-2-Y.com. It is the official list of all Super Cancer News resources. These include surveys, exercise programs, writing workshops, peer services, and fertility resources. After you check out Boof News blog, Head on over to 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter K.org. There are approximately 70,000 people aged 15 to 39 diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights. 
to be established as a standard for care to meet this underserved population that we all belong to. And finally, on a personal note, I want to send some well wishes to my BFF Karen Diamond out there in Connecticut. She completed the Rocky Run in Philadelphia this week and will be embarking on cancer patient phase two. So, Karen, good luck tomorrow. Get through that chemo, kick some ass, and we'll see you on the other side. And that, my friends, is your stupid cancer news. All righty. All right, let's uh, let's uh, bring in our first guest. What time is it? Nine twenty-four. Oh, third day. No, nine twenty-four. In our Survivor Spotlight tonight, Sheila Ulrich, speaker and author, has been on a transformational journey for several years since the diagnosis of stage four melanoma. She's faced many difficult choices in her healing journey, but through her healing process, she's found her inner power and rediscovered herself. She has first-hand experience in healing and creating a new life, empowering others to open to new potentials in their wellness journey is her passion. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Sheila Ulrich. Sheila. Hello, Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was quite the introduction. I like the clapping and all. That was just for you. We don't do it for anyone else. We have a full house that we're so excited that you were coming on the show. The live studio cute. audience. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so talk us, talk us briefly through uh, what it was like to be diagnosed with stage four melanoma, because it's a very, very tricky disease, and most people don't realize it is the number one cancer in young adults. Wow, wow, yeah. It w- well, devastating, shocking, um, all of it, like unbelievable. Um, and but yet there was a space within me that was almost like a inner peace and a knowingness that anything is still possible, even when they were looking at me, saying everything was it was not possible to heal, and it affected everything in my entire life. I had three small children at the time, and a career, a family, and it just changes everything. And go ahead. No, Sheila, I was going to ask you, I'm I'm struck by um, a lot that's on your uh, website and what you've written about in terms of mind-body connection and something that tapped into, something something that struck me. um, I know when I was going through my breast cancer 14 years ago, um, there was a certain point um, in which it hit me where I thought, you know what, this is my body and I feel control of my body, and nobody's going to take control of my body. And I, from what, I'm, what I've read on your website, um, am I correct to assume that you sort of felt the same way, that at a certain point you just kind of threw um, altering what you, not only what you took into your body physically in terms of your diet, but sort of spiritually and emotionally that um, there is some solace to think like, well, I, you know, I control what's mine, and this is mine, and I'm going to do everything possible to heal myself. Is that is that something that... Absolutely, um, and it was almost as if I had some downloaded information. I didn't even know where it had come from at the time, and looking back now, it was messages all along the way, and it was all about empowering myself and taking over my own life. I had let everything outside of myself run my life, and I didn't even know it, and I had lost myself. 
And through that, you mean with I reconnected. family and career and everything else, all the external things? Absolutely. I had really lost that connection to myself, to my heart, to my soul, to who I really was. And I was acting almost robotically in this world. And so it was a chance for me to reclaim and, and empower myself that I can um, make a change and I can create what I want in my life. And it is possible. And I think that was a with that awareness came a lot of healing in itself. So how did you then, um, you, you've gone on because you've, you've co-authored books, and where did all this, did you heard sort of, you heard voices. How, how, walk us through how you actually got to a point where you thought these things to actually implementing everything and getting it all up and running and into place. <laughs> well, initially through my healing journey, I, we were actually coming back from a consultation. There was really no option for me, and so we chose three places around the country to go look for exploratory kind of options. We're coming back from MD Anderson. And in the middle of the flight and in the middle of the night or late at night, it was dark, I had information, and I drew this picture out. I didn't even know what the picture was. And it was basically a picture of all the possibility that we can choose from to heal, body, mind, and spirit. And And it was like I didn't know what it was. It was a holistic model at the time. But it took me years to even know what it was. But I somehow I knew that was the answer, to choose the things within that model for me to heal. And so I took one step at a time, and I got lost a lot of the way. But I had to, had to keep trusting and trusting that the next message, the next messenger, the next thing that I would choose to do if it was um, a, a, a healing practice or a, um, a surgery or whatever it was on that model, that I had to trust that I was getting the guidance. And you're how many years out at this point? I am 14 years. You are 14 years. Welcome to the 14-year Survivor Club, Lisa and I. The three of us are 14 years. Yeah, both of us. Oh, congratulations. So what was the initial, I mean, at stage four melanoma, have you uh, defied expectations of what doctors told you, and what was your initial um, prognosis? Well, I don't think they really wanted to say in so yeah. many words, but pretty much um, it looked like less than, oh, gosh, what was it, like 5% chance of living past five years. Um, they suspected my tumors were growing very, very rapidly. The mitotic rate was very high. I had uh, millions of cancer cells in my female organs, which they had thought had spread already through my whole body. So at that point they did some exploratory um, and removed what they could. At, but at that point I chose... Um, not to go any further and chose that I was going to do some other things for healing because um, I chose not to be sick because I had three small children. And so um, they thought after, oh, yeah, I think they're quite shocked that I'm still walking around. So what are, if you could, what's give some takeaway advice for some folks tonight in terms of um, if you could say maybe three salient um, things that you did to change your life that really helped you um, with your with your illness. Let's say mind, body, spirit. If there could could, there, could there be the top three of of each one oh, of those? Oh wow, that is really good. Well, first of all, um, for everybody to stop for five minutes to fifteen minutes every day and be with yourself, 
within yourself, not outside of yourself, within yourself, just quiet time. If it's if it's um, sitting with music or if it's sitting um, in prayer or if it's just sitting in stillness because that's the way we really connect and can hear, you know, what the, our power within us. That's where the answers really lie. So that would be definitely number one. And number two, to um, we have to alter. We have to do some things differently than we have done in the past. So take a uh, um, make a list of the things that aren't working for you in your life, and that means physical things. It could be um, foods that aren't your diet that might not be um, healthy. It could be exercise, thoughts that you have, um, grudges you hold in the past beliefs that you've carried around since you were four years old, um, anger, whatever it might be in your life that wasn't working, and make some changes in those areas. Hmm. And then live each moment. We keep planning for the future and for this and for that and for this and that, and we never really enjoy right now. Yeah, yeah. So you, and then in terms of practically your your treatment, I mean, you had surgery, and and in, just in terms of your medical course of treatment, um, what did that was that chemotherapy? What what what, what did all no, that? No, I yeah. had no I had no chemotherapy. I had no radiation. I had um, many surgeries and some exploratory kind of thing um, surgeries at the time, and then I also chose a, an experimental vaccination program at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, that I had to fly down there one day a month for seven hmm. months. For seven months. And yes. it was and, and it was a vaccination once a month for seven months? Yes. Okay. And that um and how long ago how long ago was that? Was that shortly after your treatment fourteen years ago? Yes. Yeah, wow. And uh, and now are you? Do you have a, a, a special diet that you're uh, living by, or how do you? What? Well, it has changed many times over the years, and I really am in tune with my body. I generally um, follow and listen to what my body wants at the time. Um, definitely, you know, I really limit my sugars, my milk products, lots of vegetables, lots and lots of vegetables, lean proteins. Um, Omega-3, um, let's see, lots of leafy greens, vegetables, um, some fruit, and, you know, just pretty basic. So after your, after your surgeries um, and after the, you went down to Durham for those, um, for those shots, which you said were experimental, uh, you've changed your diet and you've altered your, your, your way of thinking and rid yourself of sort of toxic um, anger and emotions and those sorts of things, and you've been you've been cancer free all these years since, correct? Correct. Wow. Um, and your kids are how old at this point? <laughs> My oldest daughter's birthday today, and ah. she is twenty seven. Wow. wow. Yes, my youngest, my son was three at the time. And three and a half, and he, his saying was they had, they're just so intuitive. And he knew something was going on but didn't really know. And one of the things he said, he looked at us and looked at his grandma and mom and dad, and he said, you know, if my mommy dies, she'll always be an angel on my shoulder. Oh, so let's, let's, let's just ask you one last question here before we go because we'll have to wrap it up soon. There's a lot of places where people can turn out there to get advice about um, – they're about cancer, about various forms of cancer. 
in a nutshell, if you were to sum up and say, come to my website or read my books or buy my books, what would sort of set you, Sheila, apart from the other voices that are out there? Well, for one, I am a walking, living, breathing example of um, living with cancer like all of you are. And I think when we're, we want to follow someone who has been there, and I think, um, and get ideas and get support. And so I think that's really important. And just some other ideas that maybe is a new potential that maybe you haven't really considered or maybe that it might be something a little bit different. Um, that, And I have great support and any questions or anything, they can email me or contact me at any time or call me. Right. Okay. Well, thank you oh. so much for taking the time to be on the show, Sheila. Yes, thank you. And could I mention one other thing that I have coming up that I would like everybody on your listening? Sure, Um, absolutely. Briefly, please. Yes, it's called Transforming Cancer, One Idea at a Time with Dr. Bernie Siegel and Carolyn Sutherland, Jennifer McLean, and Ann Taylor, great, wise teachers and healers. And they can go to my website at SheilaAlrich.com slash blog and get more information. It's a free um, audio um, series that they're presenting all on cancer. Well, once again, thank you very much for coming on, sharing your story. It's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, and good luck with everything in the future. Thank you so much for having Thanks, me. Thanks, Sheila. Sheila Ulrich, everybody. <laughs> all righty, and now... Coming up... 9.37 on the Stupid Cancer Show. Josh Snyder, a three-time cancer survivor and musician who spent the last 15 years of his life using his talents to inspire people. Am I reading my own bio? As the frontman for a national touring band, Josh traveled the country performing, writing, and recording music. He also has written songs that have appeared in TV shows, movies, and was on Europe's MTV Music Awards. Shortly after turning 22, Josh was diagnosed with our favorite friend, Hodgkin's lymphoma. Underwent chemo and radiation and performed at over 80 shows during treatment. Today's cancer-free, dedicated to using his own experience to provide cancer patients with resources. And he's the founder of No Cancer. Please welcome to the show, Josh Schneider. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Josh. I wish hey there. That that's, it, is no, it is no cancer. K-N-O-W, as that's opposed right. to N-O. Although that's we, right. like, we like having no cancer, yes, preferably. We <laughs> yeah, well, we, it was the double entendre. It applies. Yes. I'm going to start a website called lotsofcancer.com. L-O-T-S-A. I don't think that works. No, lots O, like a bad O glass, you know, lots O cancer. Well, stupid cancer worked. So three times, huh? Yeah, three, three times. Three times a charm. Third, yeah, that's what they say. You know, we we have a friend named um uh what what's that guy's name in Michigan? The guy that wrote four times a charm or this times a charm. His close friend, mm-hmm. huh? No, no. What's it? No, not, no. He's a friend of the show. I forget his name. He 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 had cancer like five times, and he keeps he wrote a great book called This Times the Charm, and it was just it's a really funny, great yeah. guy. I, I'm I'm blanking on his name. He's gonna kill me, but that's okay. Please forgive me. That's so, probably probably true for most of us, right? So your I mean, first diagnosis was was 22 years old. 
Yeah. Donald Wilhelm, right? Don Wilhelm. Thank you very much. We we love you, Don. <laughs> uh, no, but you were diagnosed at 22 years old. And That's then it right. came it came back how recently after that? Um, it came back about well, I did about 8 months of chemo and a couple weeks of radiation towards the end, and then it came back uh very quickly actually 3 months after that and then i i decided uh, with my team of doctors that it probably was the best point for me to do a bone marrow transplant and really knock it out uh and that didn't do that much good i mean it it did a lot of good but it it uh it did come back about 2 years after my transplant uh started showing a little uptake i i guess one year, but then about two years after, had a couple minor surgeries to make sure that it was it, and came back and ended up doing about five weeks of radiation to just really uh, knock it out, along with a lot of proactive uh, things I was doing in my life to to also better my overall health. Including diet or exercise, or what were those Di- other things? Diet, exercise, vitamins, um a lot of a lot of tapping into great books and uh you know tapping into myself into m- my mind body spirit connection and um you know it it, it was uh, a a journey in that sense um really in, in a great way so it helped me to to find that balance and what were you doing were you a music- musician professionally what were you doing with your professional life at this point um, it depends at what point. It was a long, <laughs> long uh, span, but um, you know, for a long time throughout that span, I, I was in a, a band called Atomic Tangerine, which uh, founded at about fourteen, fifteen years old, and uh, we we were at that point signed and touring around the country, and um, I had to put a lot of that stuff, uh, well. Some of it on hold, but what what I did, uh, you know, I did play about 80 shows throughout my chemo treatment, and the guys knew they were really cool about it all. They they let me uh, let me have my bad days, and and we tried to book shows around when we knew my chemo treatments were, and three to, usually my third and fourth day were uh, those those bad days. So we tried and try to not book shows those days, but for the most part, um, I tried to get back back in it and I had a great support group and I was very very lucky uh to to be able to deal with it in that way. So tell us about then the website nocancer.com. When did you start it? Why did you start it? What were you looking to uh tell people out there in terms of your message for patient navigation? Well, one of the, one of the things I noticed when I was going through cancer was, you know, there were there, at that point, was still uh, growing information and, and a lot of information around, but a, a lot of it was fragmented and a lot of it was very difficult to find. You know, and one of the things that uh, my my partner Ben and I, uh, big shout out to him by the way, couldn't do it without him and and our team. They're they're awesome. Uh, you know, I, I do nothing; they do everything. And um, anyway. Uh, you know, so we we kind of set out on this mission to to realize those dreams and and try and uh, basically break up um, the information and the resources and so forth online. 
and bring them into a, a setting where we could filter them easily and uh, you didn't have to travel to the far corners of the universe and pick up that rock and dig a couple feet in order to find that information or those resources or the support that you need. If I could jump in here real quick, by what vetting process do you use to determine whether something is, is sponge-worthy, if you would? Uh, I know that with our website, we have a very tight-knit group of very specific requirements for sure. organizations to be listed, and they're sort of monitored and, and just kicked out if they don't do what we, we expect them to do. And obviously the goal is to provide value to a community. Uh, could you talk a little about uh, you know, how you conceptualize that and what your best practices are? Well, I think I think it's a mix between our team and and getting a feel for organizations on the phone and online, and and also uh, really relying on on the people to tell us. You know, we we rely. You know, that's what's so cool about social media and and so cool about the internet today and the people on it is that you know they they kind of do their own filtering, and if you know, we we try and really provide. We like uh, you know everything under the sun is is really our philosophy and and people will will tell us you know if there's anything really uh, terrible going on obviously or or uh, malpractice or a- any kind of ill intent on on behalf of any of the resources or or the people organizations uh, businesses so forth that are involved in in helping people with all the different facets of uh, therapy and healing and and medicine and so forth. Um, so we we really rely on on not only our team but but the people to uh, have that voice and and let us know. And Josh, I know you. Um, there's a section of the a prominent section of the site where you talk about um, different uh, types of cancer, and people can kind of look up and read about them. Um, but at the same time, you have a disclaimer on there that says you're not a medical site per se, or you're not, you know, in place of a, of a, seeing a doctor or a diagnosis. How do you guys mm-hmm. come up, do you have, um, how do you come up with your information for your uh, description for various um, types of cancer? Do you, ha- do you have medical consultants on staff, or is it the legwork that your your team does? How do you um Yeah, we, we have, we have a, an editor and writers, and they, they're pretty much in charge of, of um, getting it from, good credible sources as it is so we we actually are in the process of citing some more of that so um in citing order the sources you mean yeah in yeah. order to to give credibility you know we we right now are uh we, there's a there's a lot of moving parts because we are trying to to help connect every piece yeah. um and and really work together with every person and every organization and every business in order to provide everything under the sun and and together you know one of our philosophies i think and uh, and one of the cornerstones of what no cancer is all about is bringing every idea every therapy from conventional to uh, holistic and everything in between uh together and in order to work together and hopefully fuse all these ideas and move to a generation I think we all are looking towards moving to, which is uh, working together and and really I think we'll push we'll tip the scale in our generation you know with with all this all the different types of fusion going on 
on all ends of the spectrum. So, so someone should come to no cancer primarily um, because they are looking for what? I mean, you you guys, if you could sort of sum up in a you know nutshell what you guys represent among all the voices of um, cancer navigation out there and patient navigation out there, how would mm-hmm. you sort of best put that? We, I mean, the best way I can describe us in a simple way is we're like a Facebook for the cancer community, but we also provide education, support, and resources. And, um, you know, we we try and work, we, we highlight all the other great initiatives that are out there, and we work together with everybody doing good for this uh, central cause, um, and and. So that that's part of it. It's the community. It's it's finding each other, finding support, knowing that you're not alone, and and connecting uh, not only to people and and uh, friends and and you know all the different uh, you know normal folk who who have uh, who have cancer and are dealing with similar things, and as well as dealing. Uh, with the resources and the businesses and the organizations that are out there trying to provide every kind of support um, that that uh, exists. Yeah, I'm just going to go out on a limb here. I don't want to cause any trouble. But I noticed that the American mm-hmm. Cancer Society is not on your website anywhere. Was that on purpose? Oh no, they should be on our website. I don't know. <laughs> it's really, really okay if they're not. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go out of your way. <laughs> is that is, was that a a, a blow to the <laughs> American Cancer Society? <laughs> well, they just do everything in their power to shut out everyone else. So why you know? Yeah. Why give them? Yeah, it's okay. We don't want to. Yeah, them, right? yeah. I mean, they they've they've got enough of a voice, right? Yeah. We, don't, we I, just don't know if they have any qualified musicians like you guys as part of the American Cancer. I nice mean, you know. cover. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. There you go. Yeah, we we gotta we gotta do some jamming these days. By the way. Well, honestly, if you have an album, please send us a demo copy. I'd love to take a listen to it, and uh, we'll play some tracks sure. on the show. Cool. That'd be great. I think it's always interesting that when I get to meet young adult survivor musicians. And just to wrap up here real quick, if you can just talk very briefly about what it was like as a musician uh, going through cancer and how that changed. Uh, this is not a, not a short answer, but how, how did that mm. experience change your create, creative process? Um, it actually made it, – it, it went through a phase of probably being fairly morbid and um really venting what i was going through to a sort of coming uh almost uh all of a sudden this beautiful morning sun where uh all of my music all of my inspiration was just so positive and um you know i couldn't i couldn't even think to write something you know that was angst driven which i in the past you know i i grew up as an angst driven teenager so you know, it was like, wow, all of a sudden, you know, this new kind of light came into my life because, you know, going through cancer, I think you you start to realize um, what what's important and you start to appreciate things uh, way, um, you know, the, the, there's a certain something to be said about our hardships. You know, they, they bring that light. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't suffer, um, sometimes you don't find that light. And not that we all have to suffer 
horribly or a, anything uh, of, of that sort, but um, there's something to be said about our our problems and our faults and the the hard times. Um, and and definitely music uh, was was therapeutic for me in every single way. But um, it also uh, you know it really it really changed. Uh, through that process, because it, it evolved as I evolved, and and really became more, uh, you know, I always was a little bit of a set ball and always a little bit into, uh, you know, inspiration. And I I I I'm a loving guy and I love love and, um, you know, but there was a lot of angst growing up and there, you know, I was a, a regular teenager grow, grown up in the '90s like everybody else. Uh, in that generation, and, uh, you know, I wanted to yell it out like uh, Nirvana and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots and all those guys were uh, speaking at the time. So, you know, it was quite an evolution uh, to where I am now and and how cancer uh, kind of evolved my life, hence evolving my my music and my creativity in in that sense. The, well, at the at the risk of cutting you short on a short answer to a long question and a long answer to a short question, we have to go. <laughs> but uh, I can appreciate where you're coming from as a musician. There are no short answers for anyone that's very creative. But, but uh, we wish you good luck with No Cancer. That's K-N-O-W, cancer.com. Uh, this is... Uh, uh, it's really, really a pleasure to have you on the show, and I'm glad we got your attention with our little ninjas in the field. It was oh yeah, you cer- certainly did, and, and uh, yeah, I encourage all you guys to go check out uh, the blog we did about you guys. I know, I know you have at this point, but uh, to all the listeners, it's uh, support some I two Y. You got it, man. Take care of yourself. Good luck, uh, Josh Schneider, everybody. Thanks, guys. Good night, Matt. All right, good night. All righty, and now it's time for our uh, our final guest. Nine fifty three on the Super Cancer Show. Gina Cook is the co-founder and CEO of NavigatingCancer.com, a new free website specifically for cancer patients. Navigating Cancer provides essential cancer-related information from authoritative sources to help patients learn about their options once diagnosed, and tools for patients to partner with their physicians allowing them to be more in control of their cancer treatment and care. Navigating Cancer also provides a forum for patients to connect with other cancer patients to learn and share from their experiences. Please welcome to the show, Gina Cook and the applause meter. Woo! Hello, Gina. Hello. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Lisa. So tonight's show has been about patient navigation. I think it means different things to different people. I know you've been listening to Josh's segment. Uh, his website clearly serves a different function and purpose than yours. But I think if we could start out briefly by just articulating what patient navigation could possibly mean. What is it? it does it have a general definition? Is there something uh, as, as simple and utilitarian as connecting people with the right crap? Or is it much more complicated than that? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. Um, You know, the whole cancer navigation movement in cancer um, is something that everybody's starting to talk about. So I don't know if you've you've probably heard that there's nurse navigators and there's cancer navigators and there's people to help patients um, because obviously as you, Lisa and Matthew, know, you know, cancer diagnosis is really overwhelming. 
And so you're dealing with the emotional distress of a cancer diagnosis and then an overwhelming experience of trying to understand what you need to do next. And so at Navigating Cancer, what we do is really connect patients with the people and information that are most important to them. And what that, you know, those, those are the three specific areas is we connect them better with their healthcare team by creating tools to help them stay organized and track their daily health so that they can prepare for that and communicate more effectively with their healthcare team, but also communication tools to help them communicate better with family and friends and receive the support that they need from the people that are most important to them. And, you know, an example of that is we have a needs calendar where patients can ask for help. They can ask for a ride to their chemo appointment, and friends and family can sign up for those needs right there on Navigating Cancer. And then that third piece is connecting patients to other like patients. So what we hear over and over again from patients is, if I was lucky enough to meet somebody that was going through the same thing that I was going through, whether it was the same treatment, seeing the same doctor, same diagnosis, they provided valuable tips that helped them through the process. And so we're trying to create a tool to be able to connect patients directly to people that are very similar to them. Gina, I love that your site, and again, it's navigatingcancer.com, has such real, tangible um, advice for people in terms of what they can actually do. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I know uh, when I was going through my illness, I, I it, it sort of dawned on me, and luckily very quickly, where I thought my relationship with my doctors is really 50-50, you know, and it's it's so hard, and we talk about this a lot, where you just kind of put yourself in doctors' hands, and a lot of, you know, of, of us still sort of view our doctors as being these godlike creatures, and we just kind of nod and whatever they say must be right and go along with it. But on the other hand, we're living in our bodies, and we know our bodies, and we're with our bodies every day. I sort of felt that it was 50-50, and, you know, you're, you're a paying customer, and you have license to ask uh, a lot of questions, and which was easy easy for me in that I'm a trained journalist and it's what I do and it's what I've always done. Um, but I think still, you know, hard, uh, e- even being a journalist, to, to kind of get that, to sort of know that you can walk in and you can have notes and you can have a pen and you can have questions. And I and I love that you kind of break it down for people to actually have those, those tangible um, things that they can use. Well, thank you. That's That's exactly what we're trying to do. You know, it was interesting. We did over the last year and a half a lot of patient research, and the thing that struck me the most was that every patient went through this exact same journey over and over again. And so what we're really trying to do is help walk patients through that process um, with shared experiences with patients that have been there before and just tools. So, you know, our... Um, our prepare for doctor appointment. You know, if you're using the daily health tracker and you're tracking your symptoms and side effects, you can then print out this report that you can share with your doctor. And one of the things we do is just we feed patients with the questions they should ask. And then, of course, they can they can add whatever questions might be coming up. But if they're going through surgery, you know, these are the top ten que- questions to think about as you're going through surgery, going through radiation or chemotherapy or having testing and diagnosis, you know, going through that diagnosis phase so that patients can think, oh, yeah, I want to know that answer. Let Let me prepare for that appointment. Let me go in there walking prepared to get the information that I need and a piece of paper that they can actually write it on, write the answers on. 
as you well. Actually have for, you actually have forms on your site that folks can download and, and use for all these, like you create your own health record and track and be prepared. Is that right? That's, that's, that's right. They're online um, forms that they can create right there on Navigating Cancer so they don't lose that information, and they create their own treatment record summary, and they understand what's happening so they can communicate with all of the doctors that they're seeing for their treatment. Or I can imagine, and you advise on um, another thing to do as well, is because it is so overwhelming, have somebody perhaps who can come with you, who can be, you know, without a pad and, and a pen and, and take notes. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing that we've built into the feature is as a caregiver function. So any patient can also um, give access to their information to a caregiver because we know that a lot of cancer patients actually have a caregiver. They have a family member or a spouse or somebody that comes with them to all of their appointments. And so that person can do um, keep track and record symptoms and side effects for that patient if the patient chooses that as well. So, And tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to create a site like this. So I have been in the healthcare space the last 18 years, and most of those focused in cancer. I worked for a pharmaceutical company for a number of years, and in the last six years I've been in healthcare services. Most recently I was a VP of sales for um, McKesson's cancer business. And um, where, so, you know, early on as a pharmaceutical rep, you know, in my right out of college, um, that I was able to meet with patients. You know, I was actually able to go to support groups and meet with patients. And that um, early experience um, had a really lasting effect on me. You know, as I was working in the cancer space, for me it was always about the patient, whether I was selling a technology platform or selling a pharmaceutical drug or whatever. You know, for me it was always about the patient. And then in 2005 I worked for a private company, and we were exploring how to open up a technology platform to give patients a view of their own information. And that's the time when I really started to think about how do I create, you know, what are the unmet needs for cancer patients and, you know, how do we give patients a view of their own, own information. And that's what led to navigating cancer and really the tools and resources that you see today. And what we're really hoping in the future is that navigating cancer is a platform where a, a physician, we can um, connect with the electronic medical records in the physician's office to actually give patients a view of their own information. So today, patients have to take that proactive stance and they have to record their information so they have a treatment record summary. But in the, in, you know, in the future, what we're really trying to figure out is how do we actually give patients a view of their own information so that they can keep track of the information, you know, how they're feeling, and then communicate more effectively with their doctor and stay more in control. Now, I, I, sorry, ahead, Lisa, Matt, sorry. I, I see that you do display the American Cancer Society on your homepage, <laughs> but you do not display the MT Young for the Cancer Foundation on your homepage. So we don't, we don't, we, we withhold judgment, of course. But my, my, I'm just goofing with you. I have a question about trust. Yeah. I was on the, I was one of the charter members of the Google Health Advisory Board, and we were uh, chartered with the mission of appreciating consumer trust. Uh, Google is a love and hate them brand. And especially when you're entering the digital health space where people are people who may still be afraid to use their credit card on Amazon are now trying to put more rich content, more personally rich content on websites and profiles beyond what they would normally share on Facebook and Twitter, disease management issues. And um, I'm just curious as if you had a strategy around where you're going to generate the trust for people to believe 
that your organization offers different value or a differentiated proposition than similar websites that may exist that lack in certain things or maybe excel in other things and, and where your where you feel that you lie as a differentiated resource? No, that's great, great question. So trust is is a big factor, and we hope to establish really significant trust with patients. Um, and you know how we do that. You know, from a content perspective, our content comes from the National Cancer Institute, which is one of the most trusted, respected, and well-read. Um, can, you know, cancer content. Um, we, we're building out a medical advisory board with, you know, some prominent members of the cancer community, and so we hope that that builds trust. And I think to your other question about what's our differentiated value, I mean, right now our differentiated value is we've created a very cancer-specific application to help cancer patients manage their health, to organize their health, to communicate their symptoms and side effects, and and communicate more effectively with their doctor, which doesn't exist in an online application today. So that's what's differentiated about us. Um, that's And, uh, you know, the trust thing is something we just launched on January 19th, and, um, you know, we will be working um, diligently in the months and years to come to create a really trusted application for patients. And so you're, you're nascent. It's fantastic. I think that uh, there's nothing in life that's better than risk. Uh, and and you are, I I really appreciate. I love. I wanted to have you on the show because I think people need to know that you do exist. Uh, having been involved with in varying capacities, scores of websites that are trying to do this. I think you are actually doing it, and uh, you have a lot of potential. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having us on the show. Well, Thanks I have one for... more question. We're not done yeah. with you yet. I have oh, one okay. more question. Okay, okay. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> there was something that I tweeted this week which got a lot of attention. Apparently, there are uh, there's a new dialogue going on about websites that allow you to rate your doctors. And they're different than the sites that existed a couple of years ago, like the Rate My Teacher, you know, Rate My, you know, supermarket kind of stuff, not like Epinions. What are your thoughts on websites that allow consumers to rate doctors? Well, it's actually a really good question and I don't know if you have I don't know if you know that um one of the things that we tested and actually built in our first prototype was a doctor directory. And so we started out um trying to figure out how we help patients um find the right doctor. And what we learned through our eight months to a year kind of testing this is that, number one, um, patients generally aren't looking for a doctor um, unless something goes wrong. So, you know, potentially there is an option to give, you know, patients uh, some information on a second opinion. But the other piece that we learned, too, was we, you know, for us personally, was we wanted to... um, build an application that helped patients and doctors communicate more effectively together and and build a partnership between patients and doctors. And so for us, a doctor directory where there was potentially ratings and consumer-generated information, um, we didn't think was going to help us sort of live with our mission of connecting patients and doctors. So, um, you know, personally, I think that there um, there's – some need for a doctor directory and there's a need to give patients better access to outcomes and information about care centers and outcomes but um you know there's there's a lot of uh there's a lot of 
um, pitfalls to it as well. So I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know if that answers your question very well, but um, no, I, I think we've been a, it, we've been researching it for a while, and it's not a, there's no easy answer to that one, and so we've uh, we've you know deprioritized that. No, I didn't mean to put you on the hot seat. I just, yeah. thought, just wanted your opinion. You seem like yeah. Very no, I I, I think yeah, I think it's uh, I think we're going to see it at some point. That's that's my opinion. I think we're going to see it at some point, but it's it's going to be there's some pitfalls in it as well. So. Well, on that note, um, we do appreciate you taking the time to be with us and uh, wish you all the best with your website. And um, should our, our, our homepage happen to land on your homepage at some point, I think that would be uh, uh, very appreciated. I, 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 you know, we will absolutely, um, we haven't done it yet, but we will absolutely link to your organization. And we really appreciate you having us on the show today. And, Thank uh, you so much. And all right, really, Gina Cook, everybody. Be well. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, good luck. All righty, I, uh, I guess that's tonight's show. Good Time show. Time when you're uh, having more cancer fun. What's that? I said time flies when you're having more cancer fun. I suppose so. It flies like those aerial skiers at the Olympics. Man, have you seen those guys? I'm not really watching the Olympics that much, and curling makes me really want, just want to like like jump off a cliff. But at the end of the day, I, I the speed skating just blows me away. These guys who do like the aerial acrobatic flips on skis and don't break their heads off—it's amazing. What's his name? Sean White, isn't he the snowboarder? He That's is snowboarder. snowboarder yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. Debuted a, a, a new move that he's the only guy in the world who can do it. Like the triple Lindy from. Uh, <laughs> Back to school. Yeah. You know what? I do want to say something. You know what sport is noticeably absent from the Olympics? What's Which that? Olympics? The Winter Olympics. Um, the shot put? <laughs> that would be summer games, <laughs> and that's part of the decathlon. Um, women's ski jumping. What? Is that right? Yeah. And and this is true. Um, there's a girl named Lindsay Van. I actually uh, reached out to her on Facebook because she's, she's a world champion uh, ski jumper. Wait a minute, Lindsey Van and not Lindsey Vaughn? Lindsey Vaughn is separate from Lindsey Van. I know that, but that's isn't that a kind of a bizarre coincidence? It's kind of ironic, yeah, because people yeah. call her Lindsey Vaughn all the time, and yeah. you know, understandably, she gets annoyed by it. But she's basically the world uh, record holder for women's ski jumping, uh-huh. and and she won the world championships last year. Fast forward to when they built the the ski jump in Vancouver, they brought all the top. Uh, ski jumpers from around the world, both men and women, to try out to try out the course. She outjumped everybody. So everybody who's in the Olympics, like for the men, and then all the women that are, you know, just as good as she is. She beat everybody. But the International Olympic Committee does not recognize women's ski jumping as a valid sport. And the reason why is because they said, and I quote, a women's a woman's body cannot absorb the impact that of ski jumping that the way that a men's uh, a, a man could. So yeah, basically, women's bodies aren't built for ski jumping, but she's out jumping the like. I'm sorry, Senator McCarthy's on line two. Yeah, we exactly. Right. So I guess you know, you know, I guess next year the IOC will have like separate bathrooms for you know, or separate water fountains and benches for the men and women or whatever. But wow. But isn't that crazy? During, it, during Black History Month too. Yeah, it's like it's ridiculous. It's like okay, so we have these people who are clearly uh, you know the elite athletes of their sport. But because of their gender, they're shut out, and it's based on the fact that their allegedly bodies uh, can't absorb it, and it's it's crazy. And 
I certainly jumped on uh, Lindsay's bandwagon and, and promoting the this atrocity the best I can. I love that, Jack, that you're united in the sisterhood of, of uh, standing up for your uh, for inequalities. Hey, no one that. loves women more than I. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I can't get them doesn't mean I don't yeah, love them. Yeah, fantastic. All right, well, on that note, uh, it is now time for our closing sequence. Thank you, my friends, and have Prepared a great week. To activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the... Uh, Internets. Have you ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks. That's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Sheila Ulrich, Josh Snyder, and Gina Cook. In our studio, Amanda Freeman. Next week's show, Sex and the C-Word. In our spotlight, Heather Swift, young adult breast and ovarian survivor. Susan Miller, OB award-winning playwright of My Left Breast. And returning champion, Dr. Sue Ann Mark. Clinical sexologist in private practice and a young adult breast cancer survivor. If you've missed any of our previous broadcasts, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at itunes.i2y.com. Remember, folks, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you back here all next week live from the chemo deck. Jack Buford, Lisa Bernhardt, Amanda Freeman, Captain Stewie, and I wish you all a great evening. Go to bed, Christy Sweet. Locker out. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.